Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 128 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you so much for joining me today. All right, today, the topic that I'm going to talk to you about is we're going to take a look at how pre-programmed food entitlement might be messing you up in your long-term weight loss goals. I think this is an interesting topic because it's one of those ones that probably is there under the surface and you might not be recognizing that it's there. So we're going to cover that in detail. Now, if you're first joining this podcast and you haven't met me yet, hello, thanks for joining me. I'm Siobhan Key. I'm a practicing obesity medicine physician and family physician, and I am a coach for physicians. So my specialty is coaching physicians who struggle with stress or binge eating and really focus on taking them from a place of just feeling So you know how it is, like so overwhelmed and fatigued and just tired of trying to figure this out to a place of confidence and ease where figuring out the stress of the binge eating isn't taking up all of your mental energy anymore. You have tools at work that work during a busy day and that you can just apply over and over again and just see constant improvement. And the whole time we're working on that everything else starts to get better. The stress at work doesn't bug you as much. The kids aren't quite so tiring and you can enjoy your time with them more. That's why I love coaching so much is that everything else gets better. It really treats eating very effectively. So it treats the stress of the binge eating very effectively, but it also helps up-level all the other areas of your life, which is awesome. Anyways, And speaking of that, I just started the brand new group of Stress Eating SOS. So if you're hoping to get in it, I'm sorry you didn't make it in this round, but the next one will be starting in September. So mark your calendars and maybe get on the wait list. That's at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS so that you hear about it as soon as we release dates. Plus, I often offer exclusive bonuses to my waitlist people. This last waitlist got a free coaching session with me, but you need to be on the waitlist to access that. So it's so much fun. I was talking to a friend yesterday when I was on a walk. I love starting new groups and meeting all these new physicians because everything that they bring up in the coaching sessions, I just have this powerful, like, I can help. Like, you're in the right spot. I can help you with this. And I was saying to my friend, who's also a family physician, it's different than family medicine because how often in family medicine are we sitting there thinking, yeah, I don't really have anything else to offer you. Yeah, we've tried kind of everything I can think of. It's going to be time that's going to get this better. And that's what I love about the coaching and what gets me so fired up, especially when in the beginning of the group when I'm meeting everybody. And shout out to everybody who's listening, who's part of the new group. So happy you guys are here. But, you know, no matter what's going on, no matter where they're starting from, like I can help. And it's I can help you figure this out, which is so fun because it's like an empowering, I can help empower you and so that you'll see this a different way through coaching. And it just gets me so excited. I love it so much. So I hope you do consider joining the waitlist. I think the program is fantastic. 
I've worked hard on it and I continue to add stuff. The stuff I'm working on this week for Stress Eating SOS is I'm building a binge eating course within Stress Eating SOS. So everybody who's a member of Stress Eating SOS already gets binge eating specific coaching sessions, but now they'll also get a binge eating course, which will have its own set of video tutorials and workbook and things like that and cover specific topics like basically the background of binge eating, of course, but what do you do when you really are starting to feel an urge to binge? What do you do if you've already started to binge? And what do you do if after the binge? Those are like the three common places that people have questions, like how do I actually manage this? And so I'm putting it all into a course, which is super exciting. And I have some other fun things in my mind that I'm going to be working on through this group. So stay tuned and we'll talk more. Now, the other reason why I'm excited today is we finally have nice weather. I don't know why I'm whispering that, but Finally, it is middle of April officially, and we have hit warm weather where you could potentially even feel hot outside in the afternoon, but it's still freezing in the morning. So I ran this morning with some friends and it was like toques and mitts, not the full, full winter gear, but a decent amount of winter gear. And then later today, it'll be 20 degrees Celsius, blue sky and sunny. So it's huge swings in the temperature today. I sent my son who's in grade two to school today in shorts, his request. But I told him he's not allowed to complain about being cold in front of his teachers because I don't want letters about dressing my kids appropriately in the winter. Because, you know, by lunchtime, his shorts will be totally appropriate. This morning, maybe not so appropriate, but he has a furnace and so I'm sure he'll be fine with it. All right, so excited about the weather. So I'm recording this podcast in the morning before I head off to the office because I have an afternoon where I don't have any work booked and I want to be outside in that nice weather in the blue sky and the sun and soak it up because I've been waiting so long for it. And I think this year with COVID, it feels like I've been waiting even longer for the nice outdoor weather. Let's talk about why I wanted to do this topic. So like I said at the beginning, the topic is food entitlement, which is a term I coined because I was sitting thinking about some of the automatic thoughts and beliefs we have about food and our own eating. And how they really can get in our way of sticking to our long-term goals. Then I was thinking about where do these come from? How do we get these thoughts? Because they're so common and they're so pervasive that most of my clients bring them up at some point. And I've definitely been through these thoughts. And what I'm talking about about food entitlement is the thoughts kind of that start with I should. I should be able to about how we eat or what food we eat and how that I should gives you that sense of entitlement. But, you know, it also brings a fair bit of shame with it too, because then if you have this belief, you should be able to eat a certain way and then you find that you can't, or it's really difficult for you to do it, then there's a shame of that there's something must be wrong with you about the fact that you're struggling with this. And that's why I wanted to talk about this today, because it's nothing wrong with you. And I think when we look at this, you'll see that these thoughts are not actually your beliefs. They're beliefs that have been programmed through society, through marketing and all different stuff. And I think the really important piece I want you to know is I'm not saying food entitlement as something negative on your end. What I'm talking about it as is a system that we have lived in and grown up in that raises us all with this sense of food entitlement. If you have this and you identify with these thoughts, it's nothing that you did wrong. These are just pre-programmed, like I said at the beginning, thoughts that then can get in your way. And as an adult, you can look at them and decide if you want to keep them, which we'll talk more about. So what does it look like? 
it looks like thoughts of, I should be able to, and I'm going to list some of the common ones that come up. Tell me if you identify with these, shout it out in your car or wherever you're listening to this. I should be able to eat normally. And I'm doing air quotes, you can't see them, but I should be able to eat normally. I should be able to eat like my friends who generally those friends have a perception that they don't have a weight issue. That's a whole other topic is we never know whether or not they do, right? We see moments when they're eating around us. We don't see what happens everywhere else. I should be able to stop eating after a few bites or a small portion or, you know, I should be able to stop. I should enjoy everything in moderation. Now, this is one of my favorite ones because it sounds so kind of benign and it's actually promoted and used in a lot of like the food guide and places that we would look for information about how to eat healthy. Talk about just enjoy everything in moderation. Don't exclude anything, but don't overeat anything either. And again, I I don't necessarily think that's healthy. For some people, that's a healthy approach. Some people don't have an issue with that. And again, everybody's body and mind is different about how they approach food. So if somebody doesn't have an issue with this, that's okay. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you if it's difficult for you to enjoy everything in moderation. Now, the first place that I thought about this, where it came up for me, I still remember I was driving in my car on my way to the hospital and thinking about my weight. It was still back when I was working on it and hadn't fully lost the whole amount yet. I'd lost some, but I was kind of struggling, bouncing around when I still knew I had more to lose or more I wanted to lose. And I remember thinking, you know what? I think in order to do this successfully, I have to unplug myself from everything that's considered quote unquote normal. And it was these beliefs that I was thinking about in that car. I was thinking, I can't believe that I should be able to eat everything sometimes if that doesn't seem to work for my body. Maybe that belief isn't helping me. And this is long before I was doing life coaching. So I didn't know kind of the power of thoughts, but I really remember thinking, I think I have to change how I think about food in general and not accept the society's thoughts about what I should and shouldn't eat as just the truth. I need to question this and make my own decisions about what I should or shouldn't eat and then accept that because it's this piece of if you're holding on to you should be able to, but it doesn't really work for you or, you know, it's you're having difficulties with that or there's certain foods that, like in my case, I generally minimize carbohydrate containing foods And I know that eating more of them just doesn't work well with me. It develops more cravings for food. It physically doesn't make me feel good. And so when I was still holding the thoughts about moderation and that I should be able to eat them, that just made me want them more. And then I'd feel crummy and then realize I shouldn't be eating them. And it was like this war back and forth. So I found a lot of peace by recognizing that those thoughts of I should, that sort of entitlement for being able to eat all the foods when I wanted, was actually creating the war and letting it go, having acceptance for what I had realized and the evidence I had built over the years of working on my own weight about what actually worked for me and accepting that as my life, that this is what will work for me probably for the rest of my life, gave me a lot of peace. And that's what I'm hoping for you too, as you listen to this episode and listen to these tips. Now, I said this at the beginning, but these thoughts of entitlement are a two-sided sword. Because 
number one, if you're thinking I should be able to eat anything I want, that thought can really build desire because then you're looking around, even though you're trying to eat certain foods that you consider to be healthier, your mind is always scanning the other foods that it feels you should be able to eat. And so then it builds desire for those other foods. If I have a thought that I should be able to eat everything I want, if somebody else is eating, if I have planned, say, a salad and somebody else is eating chips in front of me, I'm really going to want the chips because to my brain, that's more exciting than the salad. And I have a belief that I should be able to eat them. It should be totally fine for me to eat them if I was still following this. So it builds desire for the food. And then, like I said earlier, on the flip side, builds shame about the food because then I know that eating those chips, it's rare that I eat two chips. Maybe that's a skill I will build in the future. And, you know, you can always build new skills. But even right now, if I start eating chips, it feels difficult to eat a small portion and move on to me. And so I generally just choose just not to eat them. But the shame of this is that my brain on one hand is saying I should be able to eat them. But then when I eat them, I can't have that small amount or I'm not generally not successful in having a small amount. And then I want more chips. And then it creates that shame that why can't I just eat a small portion like everybody else would be that classic thought, right? Everybody in the world. (laughs) Why can't I eat like normal people or like everybody else means everybody else in the world has this perfect ease with food and it's just me that struggles, which is a very shaming type of thought. And not true, by the way. So the double-sided of desire and shame, kind of shame for over-desiring the food, both drive eating. So you end up in a situation where you have thoughts that are driving desire for the food plus thoughts that are driving shame about your eating. And shame is a really powerful driver of eating. So you end up making choices that maybe you hadn't planned on. Maybe you were working on moving away from those foods and having them much less commonly, and yet you find yourself choosing them more often. And it can be this. It can be this driver of desire plus shame about the fact that you're really wanting that food when you're trying to eat healthy. And I thought it'd be helpful, especially when we're talking about shame, because I worry some of you might be listening to this podcast and feeling shame for the fact that you have these thoughts. And I don't want that to be the case at all. Like I said at the beginning, these are not intentional thoughts. You did not choose these. So I thought it would be helpful to look at where these come from. And these are my own thoughts about like, why do we all have this thought about what we should eat and what's normal and what's not normal? And I think honestly, a lot of it is our North American food culture, because overeating is part of that North American food culture. You look at like portion sizes and you know, supersizing at fast food restaurants and restaurants like going for appetizer meal and dessert. Everything is created to encourage overeating in North America. There's very few things that aren't. And it's been here for so long that for those of us who, you know, grew up in the 80s, it was there already. So our entire life has involved this culture of overeating. And I don't know exactly when the culture of overeating started, That'd be an interesting thing to look at, but I don't think it hasn't always been here. Though I think there's always been like a thought of abundance around food, right? Like if you can eat everything you want, if you can have everything that you want on the menu or have big elaborate meals, it means 
you must be doing well. Like it's, it can be a status symbol. It can be, you know, a financial symbol. It becomes a reward symbol that it's a way of caring for yourself sometimes by giving yourself a nice meal and making nice things. But sometimes that involves overeating. So in the North American culture, a nice meal isn't always just like a really nice, good quality food in an appropriate portion. It often is an abundance of food makes up for a nice meal. So portions are larger and there's lots of food. If you think of like the classic holiday meal, like Thanksgiving or Christmas or other holidays, there's an abundance of food. It's not just that we eat it in an appropriate portion size and really enjoy it because it tastes so good. It's about eating a lot of food. That's part of the culture. The other place that this comes from, and they're probably tied together, is marketing. So the food industry It is in their interest that we hold these thoughts that we should all be able to eat this food. And what's interesting, of course, is the food industry is marketing packaged processed food. There's no food industry really that is marketing unprocessed whole food other than maybe the dairy and the meat industry. You see some ads for them. But vegetables, you're seeing occasional, I buy cooking magazines, so maybe I'm seeing occasional vegetable ads because I buy cooking magazines, but probably not in the you know regular popular culture. So the food industry that has been marketing to us about what we should and shouldn't eat is marketing to us about the foods that activate the dopamine system in our brain, generally the food that we would consider to be junk food or more highly processed food, that when we're trying to lose weight, we're likely trying to move away from, and yet We've been told we should be able to have this stuff. It's part of a North American life. It's part of, you know, having fun. Like you look at fast food ads on TV and what they're marketing there is not the food. It's nothing about this tastes delicious. Some of them do, but a lot of them, if you watch what they're marketing is, look at the fantastic life you'll have. You'll have so much fun with your friends. Like people are laughing and enjoying themselves while they eat the fast food. So that marketing, even if you're aware of it, if you're like, yeah, I'm not susceptible to marketing, the reality is we have been exposed to it for so many years of our life. Yes, we are. We are susceptible to it and we have internalized stuff even if we didn't intend to. So that marketing has created thoughts of entitlement about what we should and shouldn't be able to eat. And those foods that we have thoughts about entitlement about from marketing are not the healthy foods. They're the junk foods that I should be able to sometimes eat a bag of chips. The reality is if we look at ourselves from, you know, more of an evolutionary standpoint, probably no, we should never need to eat a bag of chips. There's no nutritional piece that the chips or the cookies offer that our body actually needs. They're playing a different role for us. And these thoughts are part of what drives that role. And then I think the other place where these thoughts come from is childhood. And that's going to vary from person to person about what your childhood experiences were. But we often internalize a lot of thoughts about food and what we should eat and what's comforting to eat and what do you eat when. Like, you know, if you're really upset, maybe you were offered certain foods to help you feel better. We internalize that. And it happens at a time of our life where we're very concrete thinkers. So it then becomes kind of a fixed concrete thing in our mind about what we eat and when we eat it. And you may also have thoughts about, it's not directly related to this, but I think it's still important to notice is you may also have thoughts about wasting food. So like if there is a big meal and there's a lot of food on your plate, you may have thoughts that I should finish this plate because I should not throw this food away. 
watching, you know, what of those thoughts you've carried forward from your childhood and where they're showing up for you now, I think could be really helpful. So recognizing that probably these thoughts that we have, these entitlement thoughts around food are not generated by ourselves. They're not something that you created and one day you decided, you know what, I'm going to decide I should be able to eat all the foods. It's you, we've grown up in a culture and an environment with marketing and other things around us that have led to those thoughts being there. And that's why they feel so factual and why they can be so under the surface. Like they may not always be standing up in front of you saying, hey, I'm thinking I should be able to eat like everybody else. It may be more at the background, but still driving your actions and driving what you're doing. And I think, you know, when you think through, like just thinking about where all this stuff is coming from, and if you notice that you got a lot of thoughts about food from your parents or the whole like healthy eating movement that tells us everything should be in moderation, you could think, well, why are they doing that? But honestly, I think you have to recognize that those people in our lives also were exposed to the same food environment and the same marketing as we have been. And so they are just carrying forward. And that's where when it's embedded in the culture, it becomes so pervasive because it just gets embedded and and you get exposed to it at all different levels, but really it's kind of embedded from the one place. All right, let's talk about what you actually do about them. So we've talked about where they come from and how they might be messing up your weight loss goals and working on this long term. I think this is kind of simple. The main first step is notice these thoughts. Now, if you're listening and you're saying to yourself, I don't think I think those thoughts, I want you really to pay attention over the week and see what comes up and just notice if you're feeling uncomfortable about food in some way, notice what you're thinking. Because like I said, often these thoughts are not at the front of your mind. They're not conscious. They're working away in the background and you may not notice that they're actually there, that they're doing their thing. So get intentional and just notice them. Just build awareness. You don't have to change them right away, but just notice them. And create kind of a collection of your thoughts that you think are leading to some form of food entitlement, some sort of like, well, I should be able to. And then the second part of this is notice what these thoughts create for you. So once you start to notice some, kind of pull them out and look at them and go, okay, when I think this, how do I feel? How does this make me feel? How does this impact my eating? If I'm thinking this and trying to eat healthy, how is this thought going to impact me? And if I'm thinking it a lot, what impact is that going to have on me long term when I'm trying to reach goals? And then also, I think looking at it and going, where all is this showing up for me? Where is this thought popping up? And finding the different places. Because again, once you find a thought, if you look at it, you may find it's in more places than what you originally thought. And then you get to decide whether or not it's serving you. So maybe for some of you, these thoughts serve you. And and when you look at them closely and you come up with how it shows up and what it does for you in your life, maybe it serves you. And if it does, great, because it's always your choice, right? But for a lot of you, I think when you look at these thoughts and you really examine them, you're going to find that they don't serve you, that they're not helping you get where you want to be that they're holding you kind of stuck in that, that quicksand where you're like, oh, I, I'm moving forward a bit and then I'm sucked back in. <laughs> These thoughts are often doing that. So you get to decide whether or not they're serving you or not and whether or not you want to keep them. And even if they've been embedded in you, even if it's like in the culture around us about food, you can decide that you don't want that thought anymore. 
And then the third point then is you actively work. So if you've decided they don't serve you, then you actively work on disregarding those thoughts. Now, that doesn't mean that thoughts will never come up. So if you're like, yeah, that's not serving me. I'm not going to think that anymore. You probably still will think it sometimes because it's so ingrained. It's a thought loop that's been there for a long time. So it's not about making it go away. It's about when it comes, not engaging with it. So I think of this like if you're dealing with a toddler tantrum and the toddler's yelling about wanting something and having a tantrum and you you engage with it and you start fighting with the toddler and saying, no, you can't have that. I'm not giving you that. And, you know, you get upset with the toddler. What happens? Well, they just, it escalates, right? Versus if the toddler's having a tantrum and you're like, okay, I can see you're upset. I'm just going to stand by here and wait until you calm down and I'll keep them safe to make sure they don't like bang their head on the floor or things like that. But you don't engage with the tantrum. You wait until the tantrum's over. That's kind of how I think about these thoughts is they're not helping you just like that tantrum isn't helping anything. And you just have to kind of disregard, not engage, go about your business, maybe think other thoughts, and those thoughts will leave eventually. Where we run into trouble is when we engage with them and we believe them. We assume that they're true because they're there, and that's not true at all. They're just there because we've had so much practice thinking them over our lives. And then you can choose new thoughts. Like my example of my own experience, I just decided I was going to accept that this was my normal. Whether or not it was other people's normal, it was my normal to eat this way. And this would be how I'd be eating for the rest of my life. And I think that moment in that car, like I said, I can still remember it fairly vividly. That moment really helped move me forward. And I still hold that belief that no, I don't eat like everybody in North America, but this is my normal and this works for me and keeps me healthy. So choosing a new thought is totally your option too. And it doesn't have to be big and fancy. It can just be simple like that. Okay, so let's summarize. With these entitlement thoughts, the first step is noticing them and finding them because they're probably hidden. Second step is noticing what they do in your life, how they impact you and how they show up for you. And then deciding if you like that. Do you want to keep that? Or is that not so much what you need on your long-term goal progress? And then number three is actively decide to disregard the thoughts. Recognize they'll still come up. That's totally normal. You're not doing anything wrong, but actively choose to disregard these thoughts and maybe choose some new ones. All right, guys, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. If you find some interesting entitlement thoughts, send me an email, info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. I would love to hear. And while you're enjoying this podcast and listening to it, hit the subscribe or follow button on your podcast player so that you get all the new episodes downloaded immediately. It'll help you because you'll never miss an episode, even if I release bonus episodes. And then it also helps the podcast get found. And if you could take the time to leave a review on wherever you're listening to this podcast episode, I would absolutely appreciate it. It, again, really helps the podcast get found by other people who are looking for help in the area of stress and binge eating. And I know it takes time to leave a review. And so I really do appreciate it and recognize that it's a gift that you give me and this podcast when you do that. So thank you to everybody who has left reviews. All right, guys, have a fantastic week. I hope it's sunny where you guys are and get out and enjoy the sun. Okay, bye-bye.